how does a major soft drink brand avoid a hard stop due to COVID-19? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. size, sales, and brand awareness, PepsiCo Beverages North America is akin to the metaphorical ocean liner that moves steadily forward but takes a long time to turn around or come to a stop. But if anything could have done that to this $22.5 billion enterprise, it's COVID-19. Food and beverage manufacturers were especially hard hit by the pandemic. Those folks on the production line can't work from home. So how did PepsiCo keep going during the darkest days of the virus? Today we'll find out from my guest, Dave Lapp, Senior Vice President and Chief Supply Chain Officer. We'll learn how the company protected the health and safety of its frontline workers, shifted in part to the making of hand sanitizers while keeping the core product moving, and avoided a complete shutdown of any of its more than 65 manufacturing sites. We'll also talk about how PepsiCo coped with the dreaded condition of decision fatigue. Here's my conversation with Dave Lapp. Dave Lapp, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here, Bob. Dave, what did you folks at PepsiCo Beverages North America do when COVID-19 hit in 2020? That's a great question. We had crisis management plans in place before COVID, but the scale and speed at which the pandemic hit was unprecedented and impacted every facet of life and business, especially for our frontline workers. You know, these are our essential workers. They're the majority of our PB&A workforce. They're responsible for making PB&A products and ensuring they get onto the shelves for our consumers, especially in a time when everyone was at home, production had to continue and continue safely. You know, here's what we did. The first thing is we made daily, sometimes hourly decisions to maintain the health and safety of our employees. And we knew pivots had to be put into action quickly. For example, with supply shortages of sanitizer and PPE, we shifted production at one of our plants to make our own hand sanitizer. And we set up a global essential supply distribution center at one of our facilities, critical PPE, like masks and gloves, that were distributed to the field so operations could go on. We also put leave policies in place that allowed our workforce to have confidence that their pay would continue if they needed to stay at home because of COVID impacts. We felt that these policies helped them to have the assurance that their safety truly was our core value. Yeah, well, certainly you are an industry where you can't just have everybody start working from home to produce your product. In switching to some PPE production, does that mean you had to scale back on production of your basic product, though? Not for the PPE work. I mean, I think clearly, as you think about demand, demand was very, very high for many of our products at home. And so we did have to limit some assortment uh, to make sure we maximize the output of our core products, but none of it because of the fact that we were making PPE. Now, you talk about, and everybody talks about, how this was an unprecedented crisis. And yet, there have been previous disruptions in supply chains in the past, some of them even 
pandemics, although not on this scale. Were there any prior experiences you had in dealing with disruption that helped you respond this time around? You know, we had an emergency plan in place that dealt with threats like the avian flu and swine flu, but nothing to the extent that COVID presented to us. And as part of our EHS management system, our zero zone, and our business continuity process, you know, we created practiced exercises with our EHS security and operations teams on a routine basis that better prepared the field to manage occurrences that may happen. And because of this framework and having it already in place, our teams were better equipped to handle the challenges we saw early in the pandemic. Another point was we established crisis management teams and really working from a set of pre-established playbooks, it helped us really lead with confidence and follow our roadmap that the CDC helped develop with us to fight the pandemic firsthand. I think the other component here is we relied very heavily on existing collaboration that existed within the supply chain function. Since EHS, human resources, engineering operations were all already communicating and working closely together, when the COVID situation presented itself, these integrated teams did what they normally would do and work cohesively to find the best solve that enabled the continuation of the supply chain endeavors. So in terms of managing or reducing risk, you already had business continuity plans. You already had a playbook. You just pull that down off the shelf and everything works fine. I mean, was that adequate to meet the needs of this particular crisis? Or did you have to kind of uh, vamp a little bit and bring it up to date according to the needs of the moment? No, I think COVID presented very unique challenges to us. And so having a framework to work from was an advantage. But the key thing we needed to do was really to understand what we had to do to address the challenges of COVID, address those processes, institutionalize them across our organization, and really have the right monitoring in place to ensure that we're adhering to those at a regular basis. Tell me more about how you supported your essential workers. Some went home and had to stay home. And that's fine. That was the case. You know, you understood that. But you did need to have people on the line continuing to make product, both PPE and your everyday product. So how did you support them? With more than 65 manufacturing sites and 420 distribution centers, most of our employees aren't sitting at desks. They're in the field making, moving, and selling our products. And for us, it's crucial that they feel supported and, and safe, both at work, but also at home. Of course, we want our essential workers to be safe at work, but there were uncertainties outside of our facilities that we needed to address. So we put policies in place that supported our frontline workers mentally and financially, including tools and resources to cope with the pandemic and the confidence that paychecks would continue. We activated generous leave policies so no one had to worry about work when they had to care for a family member or needed to find childcare. And like everything else, evolving data also informed these policies. For example, our employees who tested positive for COVID or were identified in a contact trace and required to quarantine continued to be paid while they were out. And I need to express my endless appreciation for our PepsiCo Beverage North America frontline workers. Their bravery in these unprecedented times allowed consumers across the country to find comfort in the familiar. A favorite beverage at breakfast with their family or that midday caffeine pick-me-up in a day of Zoom meetings or homeschooling. We truly couldn't have done it without them. 
Well, the Zoom meetings for sure it must have been a real opportunity for you, I would guess. Um, at, at no point then did you have to shut down any of your production plants or bottling plants of any kind? There was times that we had to idle certain lines based on either a contact trace and or COVID events, but we didn't have to shut down complete plants. It was one of the things that we had in our playbooks is a way to shift production through different plants in our network and to be able to shift the loadout of product to our customers from different sites in our organization to ensure that we had uninterrupted supply to the customer so that we could deal with the COVID impacts in our facilities the right way, while at the same time maximizing our service to our customers. So certainly you've learned some important lessons this time around, which I'm sure are going to be acquiring some revisions and updates in your playbook, in your business continuity plan. So going forward then, what are some of the risks that you want to be looking out for, the ones you most anticipate that you need to prepare for? Well, I recall at the beginning of the pandemic, there was something called decision fatigue caused by the quantity of decisions we had to make Hmm. and the heavier impact the decisions suddenly carried. You know, now that the science and data have evolved and decisions are easier to make, but this concept has really transformed into what we're calling caution fatigue. This means people are getting tired of things like masks, social distancing, and not being able to travel, which is manifesting in work environments. For businesses, especially for us at PepsiCo Beverages North America, we need to make sure that these rules are in place so we can do our part to mitigate the spread of COVID. Merriam-Webster's word of the year in 2020 was unsurprisingly pandemic. But looking ahead, we need to better understand how we run a business in an endemic state. Much of what we've learned during COVID will be around for some time. So we all need to be thinking about how this new normal will take effect on the emotional, mental well-being of our employees across the supply chain. But that also has to be wrapped into a larger risk management effort that anticipates any kind of disruption whatsoever. Isn't that part of a larger program? And for that matter, everybody now is facing a gigantic disruption just in terms of getting access to supply, getting stuff moving in the supply chain because of all the congestion. Are you facing that now, too? And is that part of your risk mitigation efforts? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've looked at every source of supply, where it comes from, what our safety stocks are. And we've taken strong consideration to how we create supply assured. And so our risk management process doesn't just stop at providing a safe work environment. It also is about how we provide the highest level of service to our customers. Tell me a little bit about PepsiCo's Zero Zone program and how that relates to this discussion. It's a great question. PepsiCo Zero Zone establishes a system and process to proactively manage EHS risk. It formalizes the overall approach and culture associated with EHS risk management and provides a consistent platform for all operations to execute, manage, and succeed. Because of the solid foundation in place, we're able to proactively manage EHS risk versus reactively. And the thing I tell you is without the zero zone system and our field team's laser focus on safety, we couldn't have executed as fast nor as well during the pandemic because the core value of EHS is at the heart of all we do. Priorities change, but values don't. This was represented in amazing fashion by the leaders across the board at PepsiCo during the pandemic. Uh, and just to clarify, by EHS, do you mean environment, health, and safety? Absolutely. Okay. 
So uh, I guess as much as any company is, you do feel like you're somewhat prepared for the uncertainties of the future, whether they're black swans, white swans, disruptions of any kind. Anything more you feel you need to do to just pump up your effort, or are you pretty confident that you're ready for the next big disruption? Well, our confidence probably comes through experience, and our experience has told us that we're a nimble organization that's agile and that we can kind of deal with what's in front of us. Our top priority will continue to be protecting people's health. We continue to enforce preventive safety and sanitation measures that are guided by science and data. And I think that gives us confidence to deal with what might come. Hey, Dave Lapp of PepsiCo Beverages North America. I want to thank you so much for joining me today to talk about how PepsiCo addressed the COVID-19 situation in 2020 and 21 also and going forward and just talking in general about crisis management and risk management. Thanks so much for being with me today. Bob, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for the time. That was my conversation with Dave Lapp, PepsiCo Beverages North America, talking about how the company survived the pandemic. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain, and also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well, and see you next time.